welcome to Retro Crush, the podcast, episode 38. You know, Halloween is almost upon us here, and we hope that you have a great Halloween. And please make it safe and sane, as they say on the street there. It's been a really good night so far. Uh, we went out and saw uh, the movie Capote, uh, and uh, instead of going out drinking, we decided to have some red wine and vodka here at home, and of course, after drinking copious amounts of each, I've decided it's about time to do my podcast, so forgive me if we get a little uh, um, unprofessional, I guess you might say, uh, on the street. So uh, we're going to start off uh, with some some uh, some voicemail that we got on the Retro Crush hotline. And let me tell you, if you'd like to call the Retro Crush hotline, just dial 916 916- Two three one nine four eight zero, and it's uh it's a Sacramento-based number, so it might be long distance for you, but it's all domestic, so it's still pretty cheap, and um, it won't make any phone in my house ring. So if you want to call me at three thirty in the morning, just dial nine one six two three one ninety four eighty, and it won't bother nobody. So it's 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 good for everybody. So uh, we're gonna start out with. Oh my God! It's the theme for our voicemails. It's time for Retro Crush Voicemail. I hope you leave us a good voicemail. My God, it's gonna be... Oh, I'm out of music there. Well, anyway, we got a a lot of nice voicemails. Again, please write this number down. It's 916-231-9480. If you call the number, you can enjoy leaving exciting voicemails such as these that you're about to hear from actual Retro Crush podcast listeners. Yeah, I'm calling for Retro Crush. Hey, I really enjoyed your uh, replay of the Reverend Willie Wilson's comments. I live in Washington, D.C., and and maybe you don't know, but he, you know he was a pretty serious candidate for mayor um, five years ago, and he got, I don't somewhere around between 30 and 40 percent of the votes in the Democratic primary. Um but he, you know, he was a serious candidate. Um, anyway, uh, and that's been written about a lot here, but I hadn't uh, hadn't heard it. So, uh, yeah, I like your podcast and uh, and keep it up. There was something else. Was, anyway, have a good one. Bye bye. Oh, I'll keep it up, all right. If you know what I mean. Here's my next voicemail. It's also about our, our, our Preacher podcast, which I believe is episode 36. Some say it's one of our best podcasts ever, while others say it's a piece of shit. But I'll let you be the judge. Hey, Retro Crush, um, Mr. Barry. I must say that your show rocks my world. I was laughing out incredibly to number 36, where the Preacher was talking about blood vessels in the ass. And in 37... Just the munchkin voice, that scared the living bejesus out of me, and nothing scares me. I'm an 18-year-old male. Thank you for scaring the living Christ out of me right before Halloween. Keep up the good work. Well, that's pretty spooky. You know, if you actually had a living Christ in your body, I'm glad I scared him out of you, because he doesn't belong inside of an 18-year-old boy. He belongs to all of us out here in the world helping us. So, nice to see that our podcast is doing the world a service there. Here's a really uh, quick one that we got that's kind of short and to the point. Next to Tits, Retro Crush Podcast is second. 
second it sits, of course. Well, it's nice to see that Sanitarium's let uh, the Retro Crush podcast get onto the local computers there. My God, man, you sound like you're crazy as fuck. And uh, here, here's uh, the last one of the evening that we got. Um, it, it's kind of threatening, and please don't let it scare you, folks. Okay, you gonna diss the fucking jugglers, man? Okay, I've I like I've had a ICP food pass through my whole life. And uh, if you're going to diss the fucking jugglers again, I'm going to fucking kill you, okay? Seriously. I'm going to get all my juggalo friends, and we're all going to, like, fucking kill you. Here's my friend, and he's going to tell you all about how we're going to fucking kill you, okay? So just, he'll, he'll tell you all the details. Fuck you, Robert Barry. Oh, fuck your site, Retro Crush. You can suck a dick, bitch. All right, so... So, uh, yeah, um, that should, uh, get you to shut the fuck up, okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you're gonna, uh, need a new, uh, rectum for that, okay? So, um, yeah, we're gonna fuck you up to rectum, like, uh, up to anal, have anal sex with you. <laughs> I'm just kidding, we're not gay. But, uh, you are, so, uh, go suck a dick. <laughs> and your butt is made for that! Wow, it's always it's so fascinating when people insult you and they want you to suck their dick and fuck them in the ass. Or fuck you in the ass. You know, I, I just think that uh, that's kind of odd if you really think about it. Hey, well, earlier tonight, uh, my wife and I saw Capote, the movie. And on the way home, we recorded a review of it. And here it is for your listening pleasure. Wait, wait, here's the theme to our Capote music review. It's very similar to our voicemail theme. We saw Capote the movie earlier tonight. It was pretty good. I think you'll like it. Oh, let's dispense with this singing. And let's start bringing you our review. Oh my goodness, I think you like it. Hello, this is Robert Berry and Linda Berry, a very special guest, and this is Driving Home from the Movies with Retro Crush. We just saw Capote, which is about Truman Capote, of all things. And... It stars Philip Seymour Hoffman as Truman Capote, and the film takes place during the late 50s and early 60s, in which he was covering a horrible slaying of a family of four by two cold-blooded killers. And he decided to go take a trip down to Kansas City with Harper Lee, who wrote um, To Kill a Mockingbird. Kind of interesting that those two are such close friends, and they're they're both in this film. And uh, this magazine article ends up being a novel, and it ends up being a process that consumes his next four years. Um, what are your initial thoughts on it, there, Linda? It was very powerful and really depressing, but it was really good. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot too. I've seen some footage of Truman Capote before. But actually, some of my earliest memories of him is 
seeing some Saturday Night Live skit where John Belushi was being Truman Capote. So uh, he's a very easy character to make fun of and imitate because he's got this very trademarked, high-pitched, super effeminate voice that's, Hi, this is Truman Capote. Yeah, very that's much like that. That's pretty good, huh? Yeah. Santa. So, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman did, did an excellent job, and it's a, it's a hard role to play because you could very easily turn this into a bad Saturday Night Live portrayal where you focus more on how he sounds and acts than what's really inside of him. And he does a great job of, of making... Incredible acting. Yes, incredible acting. What you, it, that, the easy story is what I just told you. You know, he's covering this murder trial... But what you see is is the manipulation and the emotional turmoil that he puts the killers and himself through as he's trying to get information from them. Um, at first, he helps them get a better lawyer so they don't get executed so quickly because he doesn't have his story yet. But then he realizes he can't really finish his story until they're killed. There's never any doubt that they're guilty, but miraculously, they keep getting stay of executions, and it delays their... Uh, fate by about three more years and the one killer Perry um, has reached out to Truman and, and, and has been befriended by him but ultimately Truman has just used him to get um, data so that he can ultimately write in cold blood which as the closing credits say is you know at the time made Truman the most successful writer and uh, popular writer in America at the time so he's basically using these killers them, though. He really, he really cared about them too. He was, I think, he was torn because he really cared about them, and he was using them a little bit. And I think it was emotionally too much for him to handle. Right, but he was definitely upset because, you know, he, as Harper even said to him at the end, you know, that he, he wanted him to be dead. They had to be yeah. dead, or else he can't publish his book. Well, and you he know. can't be at peace. He, he can't be at peace. It's not over. He's still in the process of mourning these two people that are going to be killed, and he can't publish his book, so everything in his life is just at a standstill. So as much as he doesn't want to see them die, he needs to have them die, and I think that's conflicting. Right. Basically, there's a lot of scenes where Truman gets to visit uh, this guy Perry in jail, um, almost reminiscent of some of the scenes of Clarice Starling visiting Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs, but much more connected. And he ends up getting so much information from them that if he were to go to press with this information and publish this book before all their appeals were over, um, it would doom them because, you know, he just he knows too many details about the crime. And one of the, the big sticking points is that the killer is not giving him the actual account of what happened that night. He's giving him all the background information about everything but that, but without that testimonial of what actually happened, um, that's the missing piece of the book. So, anyway, it's, it's a great, great, well-done movie. Um, if Philip Seymour Hoffman doesn't get an Oscar nomination for this film, I, I can't imagine um, how he could possibly be snubbed that way. Um, great performance. Um, if you liked any of his work before, it's just it's beautiful to see him in a starring role like this that really showcases his abilities. Um, and I think it also uh, pays tribute to a, a writer that I think uh, among today's writers in, in modern society now has kind of forgotten the work of Truman Capote and how he really pioneered the non 
fiction uh, crime novel uh, that, that's become so commonplace with all of the, the, the glamorous crimes that we've had in the press as of late. You, you kind of forget that, that Capote sort of brought that stuff home to the common man back in the day when you would only just read sort of the headlines in the newspapers about it. You'll need a drink afterwards, though. Oh, yes. As they point out in the film, after Capote wrote this book, he was very shaken by it, never wrote another book, and basically drank himself to death over the next 25 years. And boy, is he drinking this movie. Uh, he drinks scotch, he drinks vodka, he drinks wine, tons of martinis, and that's where we're going now, because... I'm one of those alcoholics that if I see somebody drink on television, it's just like, got to drink. You know, it's like Pavlov's dog with, with alcohol there. I mean, it's horrible. I mean, I'll just see, like, you know, we'll be watching the most boring Disney movie, and it's just like one character in the background, like, 40 feet away is sipping on wine. It, like, triggers something with me. You know, it's like I'm the Manchurian candidate with alcohol. I just have some code words in my brain that just drink. So... With that. Anyway, but, so, um, we're going to go uh, go to the grocery store and buy some alcohol and drink it at home, because it's a lot cheaper than going to the bars. And once you're married, honestly, what's the point of going to a bar anymore? Anyway, ow! <laughs> and I need to pay for my counseling, so every money I can save on my booze is great. <laughs> well, um, say goodbye to everybody, Linda Berry. Bye. Oh, wait, we just passed a sign on the telephone pole. We're doing some live reporting here, and they've got a haunted house that you can go tour um, at somebody's house. I remember people used to do that in my neighborhood all the time on Halloween. Someone would set up these spooky haunted houses. Did you ever go to those? Oh, yeah. There's always some great ones up in Eureka. It's like, ooh, put your hand in this bowl full of eyeballs, and it'd be like cold, icy grapes, or ooh, here's brains, and it would be like, you know, like spaghetti, spaghetti, or it's like, ooh, feel my bowels, yeah, and it was really, and it was really just like chocolate pudding and corn, <laughs> remember that one? Can you hear those hits? <laughs> now you can see why I retreat into the warm embrace of the internet each nice night. Because well, I'm abused. <laughs> hey, we should have our own show. This chemistry is pretty magical here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably just to us. Yeah. Well, on that note, uh, have a happy Halloween, and um, we'll be back later. Some other day. Bye! Wow, it was pretty special. I hope you enjoyed it there. A rare glimpse into the magical uh, relationship that's called my marriage. We're going to close out the show today with some special spooky-themed TV show themes. Theme, theme, theme. How many times can I say that in one sentence? Anyway, here's uh, some that you might have heard before, and some you might not have, and some that, uh, well, frankly, you don't care about, but I'm going to play them anyway. Um, here's probably one of the more well-known uh, spooky-themed TV thongs. Thong, not songs, not thongs. But uh, it's The Addams Family. It's composed by... Vic Mizzy, who also brought us the Green Acres theme song.
Remember you were seeing it that way in school? I, I always did. That sure made me hot with the ladies, let me tell you. Here's a theme to a cartoon called Goober and the Ghost Chasers. And this is kind of uh, one of the many rip-offs of the Scooby-Doo formula here. And it was, uh, a, instead of a, a bunch of teenagers hanging out with Scooby-Doo, in this case it was a bunch of teenagers hanging out with a dog named Goober. And they, and they went after ghosts. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Ghosts. This is ridiculous. Certainly not one of the more memorable TV theme songs ever, but you notice the voice there of Goober was uh, done by Paul Winchell, uh, one of the f most famous uh, voice animation guys, uh, and you probably know him more commonly as uh, Tigger from the Winnie the Pooh films, and he also did voices for uh, the Banana Splits and a lot of other cartoons there. Um, I remember I got an email uh, from his daughter April Winchell who's a radio personality and has her own site and I had uh, mentioned to her that uh, this new Piglet movie came out and that um, Paul Winchell her father did not do the voice for it and, and he was still alive so I was kind of curious why he wasn't and she had mentioned that it was kind of sad and he was uh, just kind of sounded too old and Disney didn't want to use him anymore so that's kind of sad so hope Paul's doing okay here's the theme to The Outer Limits Not a gesture TV set. People like to say that the Outer Limits was the poor man's Twilight Zone, but I like to think of them as the rich man's Falcon Crest, um, if you know what I mean. But uh, anyway, here, here's one of my favorite kitschy uh, TV theme songs here. It's uh, Land of the Lost. Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition Met the greatest earthquake ever known I on the rapid It struck their tiny raft And plunged them down a thousand feet below To the land of the lost 
seasons, uh, the father uh, left the show, so they had this episode where like he went into some kind of dimensional gateway and, and made it back home. And just by chance, their Uncle Jack just started uh, looking for them. And he got stuck in the land of the lost uh, while the father was there. And it was kind of funny because they even changed the theme song. It was like, Uncle Jack was searching. And they showed him falling down that little shitty waterfall effect as well. So, uh, anyway. Our next spooky theme song is The Funky Phantom. And uh, another trivia bit for you here. Mickey Dolenz from The Monkees did the voice of the ghost cat in this show. <laughs> We were cold and soaking wet and lost out in a storm. We ran inside a spooky house and hoping to get warm. The dusty clock till half past six. We knew that it was wrong. When we set the hands to twelve, the clock began to fall. You're the funky phantom! The spirit of kind of funny how the funky phantom almost sounds like the ghost of snaggletooth there or snagglepuss whatever he's called but anyway here's a, a, a some more modern a couple theme songs really great spooky theme songs and certainly some of the best uh, of all time here here's uh, the beginning of the x-files <laughs> got uh, uh, David Lynch's classic Twin Peaks TV show with uh, theme music by Angelo Badliamente. And how I can remember all this stuff while I've got all this wine coursing through my brains and miracle of science. It must unlock it all. all about all the time we have for today uh, make sure you check out our site we just finished our 100 greatest uh, horror movie performances of all time and as always check out the sneeze.com right now they've got a cool uh, feature on Halloween Pez dispensers and uh, other amazing things as well and uh, I'm gonna and, and by the way if you're gonna be around Sacramento Sunday uh, the 30th and Monday the 31st Go to our Trash Film Orgy. We're uh, going to be there with uh, the fine folks that put on Trash Film Orgy. And uh, I'd love to see you there. Uh, a few of the writers from Retro Crush are going to be there along with myself. In October 30th, we're going to show Carrie. In October 31st, we're going to show Prom Night. And at 9 o'clock, the doors open, and we're going to have a trash high school zombie prom. There's going to be a live trash musical of Macbeth, if you can believe that vintage prom and dating short films we're going to have some vintage Atari dating games uh, video games not dating games, excuse me and uh, all kinds of great stuff so you're going to have a, a fun, fun, f fun, fun time for show, for show so uh, we're going to leave you today with 
one of the scariest uh, TV theme songs of all time. Good night, everybody. Because all the girls in my class are gay, and but two of them straight and both of them ugly. <laughs> <laughs>